Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the POD Cast, your favorite podcast about new metal. This month is episode number thirty-eight. We are covering Incubus's "Make Yourself." I'm John, and with me is a man who, once a month, meets me in outer space. It's Brian Quinby. Oh, that's so beautiful. I remember the first time I heard that song. Well, I don't remember the I would say I remember the first time I heard it, but I do remember the guy I was when I heard Stella. <laughs> that's yeah, all that really what guy what guy were you? I'm probably like an asshole who was playing Tony Hawk <laughs> constantly on a fucking uh playstation in the same room as my wife, but not like really talking to her. Actually, we weren't married yet, so it was fine. Yeah, yeah. If it's your girlfriend, then that's yeah. They can make. I mean, this album, this album came out. Yeah, this album came out when I was living in a mobile home with five people. So that was like arguably my most white trash time of my life. (laughs) This is. I would argue this album is maybe one of the least white trash albums we've ever listened to. Is that fair to say? I loved it at the time, though, and I was really white trash. You know what I mean? Like I was, right. like I said, I live. I was a. This is this album came out right when I was a roofer, and okay. I was living in a mobile home with four people and two kids, four four adults and two kids, <laughs> in a trailer park, and the on on like the most like where my family's like. My mom's family, that my my redneck side of me is from the south end of Columbus, and I was living on the south end. I was just indulging in like I was addicted to pain pills. I was just indulging in all the stuff. This was the time of my life where uh, I was really uh, where I was, I was really coming into my own as an adult. I guess um, <laughs> by living in a mobile home with six people. Yeah, and this yeah. came out, and I was like really impressed. I loved it. So I don't know. I, I, I think that time in my life, like I remember listening to this and dysfunction by stained almost constantly. Mm, okay. Wouldn't uh stains album would have been out then? No, I guess not. It was after it was like 2000 or 2001 uh, break the cycle. I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, I just, I, I liked dysfunction like a lot more than a, uh, than a lot of stuff like uh, a lot of that stuff. So like I might, I don't think I even liked breaking the cycle at yeah. the time. You know, when we reviewed it, I didn't like it, but I don't think I no. liked it at the time. And I, I loved dysfunction. So I, yeah, I would so just listen been, to it over and over. This would have been dysfunction era. Break the cycle was Oh one. I, I was trying to picture, but yeah, cause break the cycle came out when I was in high school. So that makes sense. I love like it's amazing that you and I have done this show between the bonus episodes and the regular episodes. We're over a hundred episodes of doing this show, and you still have like major facets of your life that you just bring up. And I'm like, I don't 
you've never talked about that that before. Like I feel like you and I just we we've obviously talked about how our new metal histories are so different. And obviously our life histories too. But you'll just be like, yeah, I just lived in a mobile home with like six people in the sort of, you know, weird area of Columbus. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know any of this. Like, I just grew up in the same house. And then when I moved out of my parents' house, I've lived in three different houses in Vancouver or three different apartments. And that's it. And I just like don't have, you just have all, you'll just throw this sort of thing at me. And I'll just be like, what the hell? Like, Okay, sure. Brian sounds good. <laughs> I don't ever bring anything like that to the show, I feel like. I think we moved every year for fucking 10 years, at least once every year for like 10 years, sometimes twice in a year. You know, <laughs> if we can't afford to pay the rent, you sometimes got to just move. <laughs> but <laughs> Yes, but I... I-, I- learned about that too when we did the street fight live shows uh together and you were explaining about how it's very <laughs> difficult to evict people that haven't paid the rent <laughs> i yeah. learned a lot i learned a lot that day about how maybe i should just stop paying rent well i don't think it works that way well it probably is more protections up there than we got here you know but yeah it, it's like uh uh yeah my buddy was like getting a divorce and uh, he had this trailer with his two kids and he was just like, um, he was just like, I can't afford to pay for for this. So you guys want to move in. So me and Katie moved in and we also brought another dude with us. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to bring, if I'm coming, we got to bring Jerry. Otherwise, <laughs> this is a no, no go for me. <laughs> so we moved in and the, the three bedrooms in that small fucking thing man me and katie were sleeping in a twin bed and every single time oh my god you were in a twin bed in a mobile home with us. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh and every god. single time we fucking had sex everybody was like y'all just had sex didn't you because it would smack against the wall where the tv was so that was always like a thing too i hated people knowing you know i was so fucking annoyed when when people would know that uh, uh, I was just like, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm a virgin. Don't think of me as a guy that has sex ever. Please. We were playing hopscotch in the bedroom. It had nothing to do. It wasn't sexual at all. We're not You're married. jumping on a fucking bed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're not married. That would have been a good, good move. But yeah, it was just, uh, I mean, that place was like, we had two TVs in the living room. And one of them had a Dreamcast on it that was always being NFL 2K was always being played on it. And then the other one had a PlayStation on it and Tony Hawk Pro Skater was being played on that. And you could just filter back and forth, but you couldn't watch TV. There was no uh, watching TV unless you wanted to watch me play video games, which nice, which is what. (laughs) Katie did apparently. Yeah. The ladies love, ladies love fucking watching a dude play video games. Man, it's sexy. They're like, damn, I think this guy could be a hunter gatherer. Yeah, they called you LL Video B. Yeah, I was uh, great at it. But yeah, I um, this album coming out and like, I think like sort of blowing my fucking mind in that like another big domino fell on everything I listen to has to be heavy. Because I I would think that a lot of people would think that the Brian that was living in a mobile home at that time and was insanely angry and stupid and hopped up on pills would have hated this album. But I didn't. I loved it. And it was like we're still 
a little ways out from where ways out from white pony, right? Or is white pony out? I don't know because I think it's I'm 2000. like, a, okay. So yeah, we're, we're, uh, a, a we're, few months we're like six out months from, out from white pony for six months out from white pony. So this was, I, it's weird when I think about it now, cause it's like, well, fuck, this was the first sort of domino to drop for me because I mean, I listen to it now and I'm like, I like it now, but when I listen to it now, I'm also like, how did that version of me like it too? That that's yeah. the weird thing that I'm, I'm at, I'm with on this. Yeah. I, well, that's what I was going to ask you about that. I mean, usually we don't get into the album this quickly, but I'm, I'm down for it. Cause there's lots to cover with these guys. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll break down the album. Then we can talk a little more about, uh, you specifically, Brian, at that time getting into this record. Uh, so yeah, this is the third studio album from Incubus. It came out on Epic Records on October 26th, 1999. Uh, it was produced by Scott Litt, uh, who was a guy who had worked with Nirvana and REM in the past, but mostly yeah. REM is who he's best known for working with. Uh, pardon me, this album is the first with DJ Kilmore, uh, who came into the band. So that was the first of Incubus's big personnel changes. Of course, Dirk Lance would end up leaving the band shortly after morning view but he's still on this record uh the record got positive reviews uh was reviewed very positively as well as uh doing well on the charts uh it sold over three million copies globally to date it's two times platinum in america it's also gone platinum in canada and new zealand and is gold in the uk on australia uh it peaked at number 47 on the u.s billboard 200 it peaked at uh number 83 in the UK. It ended the year 2000 at number 107 on the Billboard 200. So pretty good uh, chart performance. And then in 2001, it actually did even better. Uh, it ended the year 2001 at number 90 on the US Billboard 200. So uh, had a very good uh, second life because they didn't release the singles until 2000. So the album comes out in October 26, 1999, but all three singles, Pardon Me, Stellar, and Drive, come out in 2000. Pardon Me in February, Stellar in August, and Drive in November. All three singles performing well. Uh, Pardon Me, the first single to come out. The band actually notes in multiple interviews, it did not start to gain traction as a single until they started playing it acoustically uh, on various radio stations, on MTV. Uh, originally, radio didn't really care for the single. But that said, uh, it ended up reaching number three on the Billboard Modern Modern Rock Tracks chart and number seven on the Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. And it reached number two on, Brian, one of your favorite charts, the Bubbling Under Hot 100 singles chart. It peaked at number two on that one. We learned so that. So 102? Right? Number 102 is what it was? <laughs> Yeah, ex yeah. I mean, basically, exactly. Uh, and then Stellar outperformed that one. It peaked at number two on the alternative airplay charts and number 17 on the U.S. mainstream rock charts. And then finally, Drive uh, is the highest uh, charting Incubus single ever. It actually made it to number nine on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, so pretty impressive. I didn't even realize that they had a, a top 10 hit, uh, but it, it made number one on the U.S. Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart. Uh, and then, like I said, number nine on the Hot 100. Uh, it also reached the uh, the charts in Australia, Germany, New Zealand, Portugal, Scotland, and the UK. So it was uh, a very popular uh, song, obviously, Drive, of course we know. 
And uh, the single for Drive went silver in the UK and gold in Australia. Uh, it's done very well, this record overall. It also has some uh, some distinctions. It was named the... Uh, whoops, I clicked on the wrong thing. It was named the uh, in the 20 Best Metal Albums of 99 by Metal Hammer Magazine. Uh, it is also uh, frequently appears on, uh, you know, retrospective lists of, uh, of best records. Louder Sound had it in their 50 Best New Metal Albums of All Time. It's also on that uh, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die uh, that we talked about, uh, I think, two episodes ago by that uh, UK famous like UK DJ who wrote that list. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a very well-known album. So yeah, Brian, you've already kind of delved into your history with it um, a little bit. So yeah, I mean, literally coming into this episode, I was going to say that I felt like it was strange to me because you had sort of told me by text that you liked this record. And I mean, this, it, this record came out in 99 when you're still like, you know, in 1999, you're what, 22? So you're 20? So Somewhere, you're just, yeah. so you're like, you know, you, you should still be in like peak Brian, like this music is for wimps kind of phase. So what it about is. it? What about it? Because you, obviously you liked science a lot. That came out in 97. And, I, and we talked about that when we did that record that you liked science. But Make Yourself is such a depart, not such a departure, but it's a departure from science in a way where, I felt convinced that you were going to say to me that you hated this album when you were younger, but then you came to appreciate it later on. So what do you think about was, uh, what was it about it at the time that really uh, connected with you? I don't even know. I don't, I, 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 I was listening to it. Like I was listening to it today and yesterday. And I started to think about like, man, there were a lot of times where I could have decided I didn't like this. Um, but drive is, I think, a pivotal thing for me because that song, when I heard it, I liked it. And that feels to me like the one song on this album that could have gone either way was drive. For sure. And, and probably uh, for a lot of people, that was probably what made people stop listening to Incubus, right? Like there had to be a subset of people when drive got popular who were like, I'm done with Incubus. I mean, I even think like, I was kind of for it. Yeah, I was for it very early on, too. Like, I was like, you should check this song out to people that maybe didn't listen to this type of stuff. You know, like, oh, you know, what about this song? You might like this. And, uh, you know, that is the song on this album that I think that song made them. I think the song that, like, the short or the slower music got to me was The Warmth. I think I heard the warmth and I liked it. And I think that like hearing that song and it not being super heavy or anything, but it does have lyrics in it that like a guy like me could get around, get, get my arms around is like, uh, uh, that was another one. Like they're just the songs that I should have hated. I ended up liking was really the, the, the thing about it that I think, that I think is like why it was pivotal to me, you know, right. I, it could have fucking dude. It could have gone either way with this stuff. Yeah, like, I don't do know you, why it went. I was going to say, yeah. Why do you think that those songs hit with you? Because I definitely feel like drive in particular would be a song on a different album where you would go, Oh, I like, I hate this song or whatever. 
but like, it's what incubus you... i think was that right, that's I another see. thing so they had like, some cachet with you yeah you'll let them get away with a little bit more you know i think in the end this album did chase me away from incubus in in the end but not right. not yet it was that i didn't like the next album yeah or, I don't even know if I didn't like it. I don't think I ever listened to it. You know, I I just wasn't into it. And that was probably just oversaturation and it hitting at a different time for me where I wasn't going to run out and get the next Incubus album. I, I, I don't think I cared enough. I, I mean, you know, this is that morning is morning view. The next one. Yep. Yeah, I I think it was just like I don't care about I don't care to hear it. This out they were already moving in, they were already moving in a direction I didn't like, and uh, or I thought I didn't like. If you, yeah. you get what I'm saying, I don't really. No, know. no, I know I do because that's what I was gonna say. Is like so I was talking about how I thought drive could be like a real inflection point for people. And I, I think what it is, if I'm, if I, if I'm being honest, and I think you've actually hit it exactly right is what I bet happened is people bought, uh, make yourself cause they liked science, you know, and, and incubus were in, right? Like they were in the new met, like they were on the family values tour. They were on Ozfest. Like, I think it's probably, if you're younger, it's probably easier to look back and and think like, oh, Incubus kind of exist on the fringes of new metal, which is somewhat true. But like they were in with these guys like there wasn't it wasn't, you know, Corn wasn't out there going, oh, Incubus, those guys are pussies or whatever, you know, that they would say about other bands that could sound like Incubus. Like they were in with those guys. So I think it gave them some cred. Where, you know, there were probably people who got Make Yourself, liked most of it, didn't like Drive, maybe didn't like Stellar, you know, didn't like I Miss You, some of the softer kind of stuff, and then heard the first single of Morning View, which I believe is Wish You Were Here, and thought, oh, okay, that that's what Incubus is now. I don't need to follow up with Incubus, you know? And because I've had that happen before, too, where I, like, it happened to me with Incubus, so... I love Morning View. Like Morning View is kind of my Incubus album. When I saw Incubus, which is my first concert ever, which I've talked about on the show, they were touring Morning View. So like for me, Morning View just has a special significance to me and I love it. Like I think it's probably in my top 25 albums of all time. I just, I, I could put it on at any time. I love it. I think it's such a great record. But I still had that moment with Incubus. Like Crow Left of the Murder comes out after Morning View And it's like kind of different and it's already sort of leaning away from what I liked about Incubus before that. And then when Light Grenades came out, it was the same kind of thing. It was like, okay, I don't need any more of, I don't need any more of what Incubus (laughs) is doing. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just sometimes you reach a point with a band where you go, okay, I got three and a half albums by this band I already like. I don't need any more of of this band's music. And so I, I bet for a lot of people make yourself wasn't the tipping point but then when morning view kind of was continuing down that path they were like okay i i see where incubus is going i don't need to follow i don't need to follow them wherever it is they're traveling this is such a john core album though this is like where (laughs) me and you could have been friends maybe (laughs) you know what i'm saying like 
This yeah, is yeah. one of those albums where it's like, oh, we we could have heard this together and been like, see, we do have something in common. <laughs> you know, me yeah, talking yeah. to you when you're like 15, I'm 21 drinking. <laughs> but yeah, like I, this is where it's weird. If there was, it's weird. Now that I think about this, if there was like a, what's the word? If there was like a, a Venn diagram, which is, I know, an overused thing. Me and you meet at Incubus, I think. Yeah. Because I think yeah. also when it comes to like corn or Slipknot or any of this stuff, we like them for different reasons, I think. Oh, I you think know? so. I mean, there are people that, that, uh, have said that they feel like I don't even like new metal, which I like is obviously not true, but like I can sort of, you know, a lot of the albums we cover on the show, I'm sort of like, yeah, I mean, it's good enough, but like, yeah, it's, I, I was very much a, at this time in my life, I, I didn't have room for a lot of bands. I wasn't like, I was young. Like I, you know, in, in the, in the peak new metal era, I was, I was 13 in 1998. So I was 17 in 2002 you know, in the peak new metal era, I was still pretty young and the internet didn't really exist. Like it existed, but not for streaming or, you know, you had to buy CDs and I was a kid. Like I, I couldn't afford that many CDs. So it's like, you know, I, I think it's, I love new metal and I identify with it and I, and I love listening to it for the show. And, and I think it's like a cool part of my past that I'm happy to like look at again but I do think there is a lot of it that I missed because, yeah, I, I had room for Corn and Limp Biscuit and Deftones and System of a Down and Incubus. And that was like kind of it. I wasn't trying to seek out other stuff. And I wasn't like you. Like you were going to all the shows. Like that's how you found out about a lot of music back. Like I would go to Warp Tour and I would go like, oh, I have five new bands I like now because I would just go to Warp Tour and I'd see a band and I'd go, oh, yeah, they're great. So for you, it was easier because you were going to Ozfest and you were going to you'd see Coal Chamber open for corn or you'd see. So you were more familiar with the bands in this space that didn't sell a bunch of copies, but were really important bands in this era. And so for me, yeah, like I, it is hard sometimes to go back and listen to some of the stuff. But I think Incubus was a band that just was they yeah it's like john core in a way but they were always like they were always around for me i don't know what my original point was that i was going to try to circle back to but <laughs> well i, I think I like want, sorry go ahead i got i i do have something that i would i okay this word fucking sucks i just want to say this this phrase i'm about to say fucking sucks but you gotta stick with me just for a second there are bands where Okay, so new metal had a period of time where the audience was sort of split with the people that had been there for a long time, uh, like me, and the people that were just coming in, like you, that were were sort of into Alien Ant Farm, that were open to Incubus, like make yourself type stuff. They were they were and and me and you were both sort of in that same way, but there's different levels to these bands. And and the word I want to say is like there are new metal virtue signaling bands where right. like you say, well, I like corn. I don't think Limp Biscuit is very good. I think the best new metal bands are Deftones and Incubus. Like they are, that is like almost like a sort of 
virtue signaling that you do where you say, well, my whole life isn't tied up into new metal. I like other stuff too. Right. You know, right. and that was at that time. I'm not saying that about now, but, but even now it's like, how many times have we like had somebody tell us that like, Deftones isn't new metal or, or, or fucking Rage Against the or Machine this. isn't new metal or, or this, this right? isn't new metal. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think that this that is because of so many fucking people that like on one end of the virtue signaling, we're saying like, I don't like this. That means I've been around for a long time and I, I have better taste and and I'm, I'm more refined and, you know, Slipknot and Cold Chambers, my thing, not this shit. And then there was the people who were like, I don't need shit to be that heavy. And I'm more of an artsy person. So I like Deftones and Incubus. And I was, I was like this guy that was like this meathead redneck, the, the guy that, that, that like, you know, they were writing the, the spin was writing the articles about the mooks that they were, that's what they would call them at the time. And like, I was that guy, but I desperately wanted to be the other kind of guy, you know, <laughs> the creative I, guy. I, well, the artsy, the, the guy that's like, I appreciate art and uh, I right. read books and fucking, yeah. basically, I wanted to be a fucking like, like like hipster like college student <laughs> so sure. the way that i did that was to say like well yeah it doesn't always have to be super heavy or it could be like deftones is super heavy but the songs have like real like different emotions and that's another thing too uh incubus and deftones kind of run together in my mind also because they do sing songs about sex and like fun things like being in good relationships and caring about people and and like just they sing about these other things that corn and limp biscuit well limp biscuit sings about it but doesn't sing about it in a in a real serious adult way you know what i mean but right, that like right. corn corn you know as much as jonathan davis loves pornography i don't <laughs> think they had any fucking really sexy songs you know what i mean where these well, they were, also weren't sexy, right? Like Brandon Boyd is a sexy man. So that changes it too, because mm -hmm. when he sings about sex, you're like, number one, I believe he has a lot of sex. And number two, I would like to have sex with him. So the, the like, you know, well, I'm, but I'm saying I would have said, this motherfucker's probably never had sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you were too mature at the time. I think when you're like 14 years old, Brandon Boyd seems like the coolest guy on earth to you. Nah, um, I know. But yeah, no, like, like what you're saying is, is, is super true. And I think it's like, it's funny. I feel like new metal virtue signaling now has turned into the like, oh, well, the best new metal album ever is by, you know, whoever American head charge or whatever, like, you know, it, that, that to me feels the like, it, it, that's how you have to show that you were a true new metal fan or whatever is like, you can't say that. Corn self-titled is the best new metal album ever. You can't say Limp Biscuits significant other is the best new metal album. It's like, no, it was actually this album that sold like 50,000 copies and, but it's the best it's the, it's the magnum opus of the genre or whatever. It's, it's a guy that tells you that the actual best new metal album is get some by snot. <laughs> yes. That is, that's, that's, that's a that guy kind of guy. Yeah. That's a big yeah, capital but G type of guy for sure. Even then, if you've ever listened to Snot, like Snot has more in 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 common with Incubus than it does with 
the other bands. I, I found heavier Scott, bands for sure. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, I, I would put, I, I think if you were going to put together a fucking tour of bands at this time, which part of this did happen, you know, it's not that Lynn Strait was dead, but like, if you were going to put together a tour, you, you would do snot incubus deftones would be yep. sort of the perfect thing. And then if incubus is like, I don't want to tour with just heavy bands. I think the other band that you put them with is, is three eleven. Those are the, that's, yeah. Those are the bands, you know, and then maybe a little later, like, I guess, like, if Sublime was still around, if Bradley Knoll was still alive, you do Incubus and them. But I just feel like Incubus is a weird thing because they are definitely one of the biggest bands of the genre. They have definitely sold a lot of albums, yeah. but they That's aren't a- they aren't. They they aren't even metal anymore. That's the fucking thing that's mind blowing. And honestly, listen, and haven't to this been album, for a long time. I mean, this album doesn't even really feel metal to me. The guitar no. tone is a little bit too kind of. I there's something about the guitar tone that is like this isn't even this this isn't hitting me super hard in that way. I. I love the album, but I mean, you look at what's the heaviest song. There's a couple of songs on here that get kind of heavy and uh, they're pretty cool. But the big highlights of this album are the, the ballads and shit. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, I think, I think you're right. I think for sure, this is the last Incubus album we can cover. I think, you know, when you think of like oh, yeah. new metal, I think even, even putting this on a poll was sort of like igno- more acknowledging Incubus is bona fides as a band that released science, which, you know, is the only Brian's perfecto in, in 38 episodes of this show. Mm. Um, and then also, uh, you know, it was also like we said, they had those bona fides of being on the family values tour and touring with Deftones and on Ozfest and all that stuff. And I think too, I think not only that, Bri, but I think it's interesting. You talk about the warmth because I feel like that, song is actually the turning point so like i think if you were a fan of science and you were a new metal fan who was the type of new metal fan that would be like i don't want no soft music i don't i don't listen to any of that fucking backstreet boy pop ass bullshit you know i want my fucking music heavy if you were one of those guys the warmth is the turning point because i think privilege and nowhere fast and consequence could all fit in on science. I think they're all new metal-y sounding. And then I think the warmth starts out with whale noises. And then you start to go, okay, what the hell? And then it gets a little bit ballady. And then when it comes, it is a, has some heavy elements, but it's not super heavy. And then obviously Stellar is very soft. Drive is very soft. I miss you. Pardon me. There's some, you know, out from under is a little heavier. Make yourself is a little heavier. But I think that's sort of the turning point where they go, the warmth comes on, and then the whole album is kind of different after that. And then Morning View obviously just goes way into the, like, we're, du- we're four dudes from California just vibing, bro, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting record in that way where, where it's not the full record doesn't feel like, okay, we're done with new metal, but it feels like a, a, you can see the actual turning point 
on the actual record sequencing itself where you go, oh, okay, this is a different band. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I I, I think it's also, like, they might have gone back to the science thing if this didn't work. You know? Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I can yeah. see him being like, now we're going to do a, a really heavy album because that one didn't work. Or that thing that, that, like, they had the guts to stay the course, I guess, is the thing. Because you know all these bands that do that. They, like, do an album that's a huge departure. And then they're like, uh, uh, they do an album. It's a big departure. And then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going back to our roots now. Corn did that with uh issues they and you know some people like that and some people didn't that that's kind of a uh that's one of those albums that like you know is is 50 50 but like after issues they were like we're gonna do something just like our old stuff we're gonna go back to our roots and uh that's because you know if an album doesn't do as well you 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 gotta kind of or if people don't like the album, you got to kind of try something, try to go back to the old thing. And these guys seem pretty set on, on actually just getting rich and famous. Yeah. I mean, they bring that up They're They're pretty, they're pretty, um, we're going to get to it in the articles. We've got a lot of articles, uh, for, for this album. Cause Incubus is a popular band. So people want, a lot of people want to talk to them. Um, but yes, uh, they're, they were in the retrospectives particularly, um, you know, they did a couple cause they did a 20 year retrospective tour of this album, which I went to, um, in Seattle. It was awesome. Uh, but, um, yeah, they did some 20 year retrospectives and they're pretty open about how they, they, they basically, Mike Einziger basically says, you know, that's what we were trying to do. Um, this is the, this is Kerrang did a retrospective with them in uh, 2020. And this is a quote from, um, from Brandon. And he basically says, before writing Make Yourself, we'd just come off what felt like a mild eternity touring science. When we got home, we started coming up with ideas and gave ourselves eight weeks to write the record. And in those eight weeks, all the songs that appear on the album came out. We didn't actually say out loud to each other that we needed to write a more commercial record. We just wrote in the same way we knew how to write and Make Yourself is what came out. It's sort of the antithesis to science. And then uh, Mike says... The biggest influence on our writing had to do with us becoming world travelers. There were lots of artists I was introduced to during travels in Europe and the UK. Touring science was a coming of age experience, going from being a local band in LA to going out and playing in front of audiences. We were soaking up what was around us and that mixed with a genuine creative desire to step up our artistry. We really wanted to become great songwriters and make music that would leave a mark. We definitely wanted to graduate from the zany music we spent our high school years writing and become more serious. Zany music. I, I mean, I, I have listened to the Fungus Among Us. It is not good. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, there, there were times on Science where it was like, "Come on, man, uh, this is a little too goofy." But I, I will say this: I think this album's perfect too. This is like the only other one since Science, but uh, every song on here is very good. I love it. Uh, so there is that. But, um, yeah, the warmth was the first song where it was like, it's not heavy. It doesn't have like the heavy stuff. And he's kind of singing, but he also says the F word in it. He says fuck in it, which was very important to me because then you're listening to the, it's like, he thought about it. He was like, this song sounds kind of wuss 
like wuss music. So what if we say the F word in it and then boom, people are like, fuck, man, these guys mean business, but also are tender. And uh, that that is why I think that song, you know, you you hear it and you picture being at a concert singing it loudly in the pit which weird that there was a pit to this like a lot of these songs also i'm listening to them and i'm like i can't believe i moshed to this like what am <laughs> i doing oh i was at the morning view tour and people were moshing heavy to like and even the songs on that record that are you know there's a couple heavier songs like circles is fairly heavy and um well, just mostly circles, no blood on the ground. <laughs> and uh, there's there's a couple other heavy songs on that record. But yeah, it was mostly nice to know you. People were like moshing. And I and yeah, looking back, you're sort of like, that's not really a, it's not really a moshy type of thing. And then Brian, they also did the classic thing that we see a lot of new metal bands do. And this is from and we'll, we'll get into the articles way more later. But this is just kind of related. And I think. Pardon me, might speak to what was going on at the time. But in a Hip Online interview, our favorite uh, our favorite that. publication, Hip Online, this is also an interview with Mike Einziger. This is from April 24th, 2000. And uh, basically, they did the whole, we don't want to be new metal uh, thing. And so this is, uh, the question is, I was reading a lot of press on you guys. And a lot of the time, writers couldn't help but compare you to other bands. I was wondering if there are comparisons you don't mind and others that you hate. Mike answers, there aren't really any comparisons that I mind, really. The only thing that irritates me sometimes is when we get lumped into the whole rap metal contingency that is going on right now, because I don't see anything similar to us and a group playing heavy metal and a guy rapping over it. Maybe I'm oblivious or stupid, but I don't see it. So that does irritate me. I hate when people say Incubus is a rap metal band. There are a few bands that do that well, but there are a million bands that suck at it and need to stop it. Laughs. As far as comparisons to other bands, I don't personally care about it. There are some comparisons to bands I grew up liking, and I find that complimentary. But it would be silly for us not to acknowledge the bands that influenced us because it would be disrespectful to those bands. And so it does seem like that was also a thing, too, where, you know, I almost wonder. And they they talk in a couple of the other articles about how, you know, after Make Yourself came out, they were sort of surprised at how many women were coming to their shows. And it was much more of a mixed Mm -hmm. crowd than touring for science. And I do wonder how much of their sort of poppiness, like obviously they, you know, they probably wanted to be a little more famous, but I do wonder if, you know, being on the family values tour, being on Ozfest, they sort of saw those crowds and thought like, ah, we, we should, we want to do something that's like maybe a little different than this. <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, you look out at that fucking audience, you're like, nah, I think we got to, you know, you're sitting backstage with corn. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, we're having a good audience tonight. Really, really good. Somebody just threw a fucking balloon of their piss at you from the audience. <laughs> yeah, you're playing Yay. in a par- you're playing in a parking lot in Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, you know what? It might be nice if we went on to play theaters and uh, you know, like two of two of the three times I saw Incubus was in a theater. The first time I saw them was in an arena. Uh, on the morning view tour. And then I saw them, I guess it was on the light grenades tour. I saw them at queen Elizabeth theater in Vancouver, which is like a 
3000 cap like soft seat theater and then the make yourself uh 20th anniversary tour was at the paramount theater in seattle um so yeah i think they you know they they definitely got away from being one of those bands if that was one of their goals they they were successful i mean i would have that would have been my goal is to especially again you're on a primus tour then you're on fucking family values tour and it's just like oh man no fucking thank you i i I think i'd like to have girls in the audience (laughs) actually when i play that would be really great and i'm sure that's like what all of them that's probably in their mind what they are definitely thinking you know like like yeah i mean there's also like girls at the shows i i know they probably aren't like you know bring them on the bus and do all that stuff but there's just something about seeing women at your shows that's like okay that's i feel like i'm doing i'm not doing evil right now yeah this is a safe this is a safer space (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying not to do any evil yeah so uh i had to I, i i mean obviously when you talk about incubus and when you're talking about make yourself, the real thing you're talking about is Brandon Boyd's lyrics. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Brandon Boyd is fucking on one on this record. Like all like he he obviously sort of became known as a guy who wrote weird lyrics. But like this is really and I mean, we talked about it a little bit with science. But I as someone who's listened to most of Incubus's records to this point, you got to think this is like the craziest that Brandon ever got right. Like he's really in, in his own shit here. I feel like, yeah, they told him to make it more personal. And he was like, you know what? Yeah. I'll make it more personal, like too personal. Like, uh, I I mean, I remember being really into it too, because you know what else I, I didn't bring up here too, about the live experience of these guys that was different is that like, they made a few songs where you could like grind with your girlfriend. Oh, in the mosh pit. you know what yeah. I mean? You're like, you're listening to stellar and you're doing that like kind of slow uh-huh. thing, but you're also rubbing your boner on her <laughs> like that <laughs> or the warmth, you know? Oh it's yeah. Like, yeah. You Everything know, is fucked up and cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I love that line where you're just looking at somebody right now. Not everyone. Here. Like everybody's like really cheering and shit in the audience. That fuck. Up and smiling because that's that's the only time i felt solidarity in my whole life before <laughs> like where it was like yeah but also uh you know obviously battlestar scrolactica scratchalactica whatever it is it's <laughs> like it's not like bad I but mean, it's also like kind of like whatever you know but it's yeah, a why? Uh, I'm going to let it go. And this is a perfect down. This is another perfecto. Really? Another, yeah, I think it is. I mean, every wow. goes. And Battlestar Scrolastica wow. actually also isn't. Scrolastica. It says Scrolastica. I'm no reading way. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Scrolastica. Yeah, uh, oh, stupid. I always thought it was Battlestar Scratchalactica. I did too. You're, but, but you're right. No, you're right. It is Scrolachitica because it's yeah. got the chit, but then also the ica. This should have been our challenge. Pronounce yeah. Battlestar's Scrolachitica. Str- Scrolachitica. Well, 
Yeah, Scrolastica. That's I think a it works. Song, oh yeah, it's stupid, but I think it works on the album, and it's kind of like Magic Medicine on uh, Science, where we were talking about it, and it was just kind of like, well, I mean, it's kind of goofy or whatever, but it fits the vibe of the album, so I can sort of get past that, and and I'm not like. It, it, Battle Scar Scarlatica doesn't bum me out. It like doesn't suck. It's just like, yeah, to put that on here. I mean, I know you got to find something for the DJ to do. It makes him feel good and wanted. And I know you got some other famous DJs on the song, but just when I think when you make an album, and this is just me, I'm not a musician, I don't fucking know anything, but you need to think like, is this a song that somebody would skip? And that is like kind of the test that you should do. And Battlestar Scrolachtica definitely feels like a song somewhat. Like if I was thinking I of it, it, I'd be like, yeah, I would skip that. I don't skip it. I'd listen to the whole damn thing. But I skip it every time. It's, I, even it's even back in the day. Though. It's yeah, a 48 it is. Minute album too. It's like a forty-eight minute album. It's a three minute and fifty second song. It's the kind of thing where like you're not even gonna fucking notice it's playing. You know? Yeah, I guess. I I just think it's yeah. To me, it doesn't add anything to the record. Like I right. don't. It, it doesn't. To me, like like so. I think of one of the best interludes ever for me in this sort of genre is on blink 182 self-titled album. There's a song called the fallen interlude. And I used to put it on mixtapes all the time as like a mid mid mixtape sort of interlude. It's just got really interesting drumming. It's like something that's actually like interesting to listen to. Dredge was also a band that did interludes really well. Um, they had them on, on El Cielo and then on the one that was after that one. I don't even remember what it was called now, but, uh, or not the one after that one, the second, the pariah, the, it had a bunch of names, pariah, the parrot, whatever, whatever. But anyway, there were bands who were good at making interludes where you actually felt like it contributed something to the record in the sense of like, Oh, I need a bit of a breather, or this is like kind of a, a fun reset between halves of the album or whatever. Like, I don't feel that Battlestar Scrolachtica contributes that. And I also feel like it actively makes, I miss you a little bit worse. I feel like it seems weird to come out of your interlude into a sort of slower ish song. I don't quite, I don't quite get it. I don't quite get it as a sequencing move. Um, so yeah. So for me, I always skipped it. And for me going from clean to, I miss you is a much better transition than Battlestar to, I miss you. So for me, it wouldn't be a John's perf- I can't say perfecto. That's your thing. It wouldn't be a John's 100 percento, but uh <laughs> But yeah, it's, I mean, it's fine though. You're right. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, that's a horrible song. I actually think the worst song on the album is probably Make Yourself, probably the title track. That that might be the worst song on the whole album. Uh, got some of the funniest lyrics though. That's oh, the thing. most certainly the it does. Sucks, some of the funniest lyrics are in that song. And like, that's the thing is like, that's the funny thing. And I said it at the beginning of this show. I mean, every song has funny lyrics in it. On this everyone, album. every everyone. single one. There isn't a fucking single song I could go through and name the uh, funny lyric in every single song. But like, even the way it opens, 
the like the first lyrics of the song are so like up their ass. The uh, isn't it strange that a gift could be an enemy, and uh, isn't it isn't weird it that a weird? privilege could feel like a chore? It's just <laughs> maybe it's, it's just, me, but this line isn't going anywhere. And you're like, okay, that's not none of the. <laughs> what are we even talking? Yeah. This is a fucking. You know what I figured out today it's 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 a libertarian thinking you know what i mean that's what this album just feels like like a libertarian like coming to all of his politics you know like as he's as he's writing it it's like yeah 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 man privilege you know some people say there's privilege but sometimes it can feel like a total chore i just think too like brandon on this record does so many like what if this thing was like this thing? But it's like yeah. two. But it's like two incongruous things. What if this was like this? Have you ever? Did you ever think about that? But it doesn't make any sense. It's like, what if a bench at a bus stop was a seat at a movie theater? And you're like, yeah. well, that, what does that even? What do you mean? Like, it's like it'll, it'll sort of sound like something. Like, isn't it strange that a gift could be an enemy? In your mind, you're like, okay, so like I'm getting a present, but like it might be bad. Like, there's that level of it sort of sounds like something that would make sense, you know, that like a fake smart guy would say. And there's so mm-hmm. much just like fake smart guy lyrics on this on this record. I'm gonna go back to the Kerrang article because I think it's even funnier. And this is with 20 years of hindsight. Keep in mind, this album came out in, or this record, sorry, this interview came out in 2020. This is, uh, this is Mike and Brandon talking about the lyrics on Make Yourself. Mike, I really wanted Brandon to be more vulnerable. We had conversations about that. Some of them were uncomfortable, which that's already very funny to me. Mike Einziger being like, you got to write better lyrics. And Brandon Boyd being like, isn't it weird that a privilege can feel like a chore? Um, And then Mike said, I felt like a lot of the music we'd written up until that point was personal, but some of it was almost cartoonish, which is awesome and something that came very naturally to us. But I felt like we could really connect with people and write music that could make more of an emotional connection. Now, is there, if you are a lead singer, is there a worse thing that a member of your band could call your lyrics than cartoonish? I, I mean, not if you're Power Man 5000, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Spider, but, I'm, I'm noticing your lyrics are getting a little cartoony. Uh, but yeah. all, and he's referring to him as Spider One. The, uh, Spider One, um, just couldn't help but notice your lyrics are a little bit cartoony, my dude. It just this fucking song, this privilege, just first off, is guy on psychedelics confronting his own privilege is exactly what it fucking is. And it's like just, uh, you know, I took some acid last night. I started thinking like, yes, I do have a lot of privilege, but sometimes that actually makes it hard for me to live. And uh, people don't think about that very often. Yeah. Um, that True. is the that is the song. That's what the fucking song is. And 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 the, the reason I say libertarian, he says the day you were born, you were born free. That's your privilege. It's like okay, then Not- fucking calm down a little bit, Calabasas. <laughs> I, I I just learned that Calabasas is like kind of where people with money live. 
Right. So you're like, okay, let's get, let's pop off. Yeah. I mean, you're right though. That, that lyric is so funny. It's like, who is, there's a lot of people that are not born free. My dog. No. <laughs> it's mm, such a weird, like what a strange thing to say. Um, and then, yeah, this is back from the interview here. Brandon says, and this is where it's really funny. It was around that time where I discovered artists like PJ Harvey and started getting really enamored by lyricists. I really got into the idea of listeners <laughs> interpreting music as opposed to telling them something verbatim. I thought that maybe there was an opportunity to leave some things unsaid so it allows the listener to interject themselves into the experience. Now, that quote makes me think of Pardon Me, uh, where Brandon says about the song Pardon Me, I was in a bookstore browsing through an old life magazine when I saw a picture of what the article called spontaneous human combustion. There was an old guy's legs and shoes perfectly intact then right around his knee area was just a pile of charred ashes. I was going through some turmoil in my life, both good and bad, and the image struck a chord, so I wrote a song about it. So Brandon is saying in an interview that he's like, I don't want to just explain things verbatim. And then the song, the most famous song from the album is him literally describing an experience he had verbatim. One day I was taking a look in a book and I saw a picture of a guy fried up above his knee. I said, I can relate because lately I've been thinking of combustication as a oh, welcome. God. Like he's literally just explaining an experience. The line, the line combustication makes me fucking sick. <laughs> when I hear him say that, I'm just like, fuck you, dude. Come on, combustication. It sounds like a joke. Like he's like, I'm trying to be more personal. Why the fuck do all your songs sound like jokes then? <laughs> fucking dude. I saw a picture of a guy fried up above his knee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because lately <laughs> really I've emotional. been thinking of combustication as a welcome vacation from oh fuck the burden uh, yeah so, yeah combustication's not even he's like I just oh, I need another syllable what can I throw in here um, and then Mike goes on to say it was a very masculine time in music and we were associated with that we would be playing Ozfest with all these different bands who are our good friends and there was pressure to be like that I think the tenderness and emotional side of the music was a reaction to all that aggressive music that was happening at the time our reaction was to go in the other direction and then brandon says the thing that became really challenging was how much do i share and where do i draw the line our early 20s are fun but they're also really turbulent because we're emotionally immature especially men when we were touring science i'd been with a girlfriend for a long time and it came to light she'd been having an affair while i was gone so i was dealing with a pretty high degree of heartbreak when i went into make yourself the writing process ended up becoming like an open poetic therapy session for me there was a little bit of anger definitely heartbreak but also a sense of hope around finding a new love from my point of view the songs very clearly describe the arc of that experience yeah, a bitch ex girlfriend. This song's actually about my bitch ex girlfriend. Wouldn't that be funny if that's how he like went on stage? He's like, this song's about my bitch ex girlfriend and like saying stellar. That would be funny. When I was on tour, this fucking whore slept with my best friend. And uh now I'm dating a new woman who would never do that to me. Make some noise if you're with a woman who would never do that to you. Make and she's hotter too, like he would say. Outer space. 
Shit's we, hotter and smarter uh, too. Yeah. Okay. This chick is way hotter, way smarter, sucks my <laughs> dick better. Meet <laughs> me in outer. <laughs> that would be I killing would me to fucking, think of that. Dude, I would fucking love that. The only time something like that really funny has ever been said on stage. And I don't think I've told this story on the pod before, but uh, if I have, it's bears repeating. Anyway, I saw our lady peace play. Uh, well, I've seen them a few times, but I saw them play. Uh, they were doing an anniversary tour for clumsy. So they were playing the clumsy cover to cover and their lead singer rain was, uh, was describing a song and he was like, yeah, uh, and they were just playing the album in order. So it was like before every song, he would give some kind of like, you know, a little one minute. Oh, you know, this is what I was thinking about when I wrote the lyrics to this song, blah, blah, whatever. So before one of the songs, he's like, yeah, I always hated this song. Um, I think this is the worst song on the record. And, uh, you know, all the other guys in the band really liked it. And he's like, I just pushed and pushed to like try not to have this song on the record but i got outvoted and the song ended up on the record and i still hate it uh anyway here's the song and then they just started playing the song and it was like (laughs) the most bizarre like backhanded shot at the band like yeah 20 years later i still hate this song this song fucking stinks i wish we never had it on the album you're like what the fuck it was so weird so if Brandon ever did that, that would be, I would love it because that's, that shit just, just doesn't mad. happen often enough. If he, if he was just like on stage, mad at his girlfriend, I would love that. Uh, there's also the line and this will come up later in the show, obviously now, but uh, one of the worst lyrics of all time is consequence. You'll see will be stranger than a gang of drunken mimes. That is truly a cursed thing to say that almost makes this album not a perfecto mimes just that one line people are so fucking obsessed with mimes man i don't even know what that's all about but like in the before the fucking social media the the a joke was always you see that mime it's like i never seen a fucking mime in my life actually anywhere (laughs) Yeah, well, Brian, if imagine though, Brian, imagine for a minute, what if the mimes were drunk? Yeah, yeah. And this line here, too, this one also hits me, hit me real hard today because, like I said, uh, Libertarian that did psychedelics is is the vibe I get from this album. Yeah, and yeah. When he, when this motherfucker says, uh, uh, I guess it's true, you two are one of the walking dead or when he says when he says consequence you've seen has been stranger than sci-fi of any of any kind (laughs) i love i love the the melody in it too stranger than sci-fi of any kind sometimes when i'm outside i look at a tree and i realize that's the real miracle it's like that's the kind of guy that i feel like i'm talking to here and look i'm a psychedelics guy i love psychedelics they (laughs) saved my fucking life but you just gotta don't don't do any art on psychedelics. Try not to do that. Just <laughs> move on from that. I feel like you there's fucking, cer- there's certain art you can do. Nope. Like painting none. on painting on psychedelics feels like right. It's me. fine. Yeah, it's okay. Don't write and don't because I can guarantee like a lot of this. This is all such fucking LSD and mushrooms <laughs> sort of stuff that he's saying on here. You know, like almost every song sounds like he's having like a 
he's having like a fucking breakthrough moment while he's peeking oh, yeah. on acid, and then oh, he says yeah. it, and and you're sober, and like the whole world looks like fucking insane to him. You know, it's all different colors, everything's vibrating, everything feels good, but he's saying it to you, and you're sober, and it just the world looks normal to you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, leaves are neat. They really are. I love them. Uh, but you know, that, yeah, that one's it's, bad. Oh, for and sure. It, it's, sorry, go ahead. I just want to also say finding out that there's that's whales or dolphins at the beginning of the warmth. Yeah, I hate that. Whales, shit. yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> like that. I don't know why that bothers me, but I hate it. Because there was a line in the fucking one of the articles, John, that like kind of speaks to the 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 whales at the beginning of this yeah, but yeah. in a different way where he talks about uh where the fuck is it at uh there's a line where he says something like we were all fucking jamming and i and you know they were doing this and someone else is doing this and i grabbed my didgeridoo and i was like fuck you <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, yes the part where he said i grabbed my didgeridoo was so, <laughs> so good so so good yeah yeah, we were fucking banging out some music, you know. Everybody's having a good time. I fucking went and grabbed my didgeridoo. It's like as you, you as you do. No. We were all yeah. jamming out in the mobile home, and then I I was like, oh fuck, I better go get my didgeridoo. <laughs> he might as well. Out. He might as well have said I went and got one of my my one man band outfit. You know the thing with the big <laughs> drum. Yes. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> fucking didgeridoo i if you're from australia i love you you know but didgeridoo <laughs> sounds like shit <laughs> if you're from australia i love you <laughs> but the didgeridoo sounds like shit uh <laughs> it does no it does yeah no it does and he just does it because he's mad he doesn't have an instrument but his voice is fine because i was in a band he's got a good voice for sure right and i was singing and i don't even have a good voice but i do remember being like i I wish i was holding a guitar or something in my hand you know what i mean like yeah i understand the feeling of like i'm i'm just here for my voice but like uh don't shoehorn a didgeridoo into the song. That's silly. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be a certain type of guy to to like just whip out the didgeridoo and be like, you guys, this will this will sound good. I think my next lyric though, that just this song when it comes has. Oh, that's lyrics. literally what I had pulled up. I had that pulled up too <laughs> because it's so <laughs> stupid. First of all. <laughs> When he says, and this made me so excited to hear yesterday. This was the lyric that fucking made me smile. Uh, when it comes, it comes abrupt and it feels like trading brains with an imbecile. For, for real. That's the best part. That's the best little for real. Then he goes on to say like a few like, you know, I feel emphatic about not being static and not buying philosophies that are sold to me. So basically first he says like, I could never be an imbecile. And then he just talks about all the philosophies that people are trying to sell, sell to him. So he, it feels like he's really thinking like, this is actually my high IQ song. I'm, I'm oh, singing. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Trading 
brains with an imbecile is an insane lyric. And then like, as you're listening to it, you're like, okay, he did the imbecile line, like whatever. But then you hear the pre-chorus and it's like the thing about mental piracy. Yeah. Just when you thought it was safe to think. In comes, <laughs> it's mental, not- in comes mental piracy, Brian. They're stealing your mind. <laughs> and then the motherfucker, you're like, this can't get any more corn. Oh, it's it's getting and worse. And then he goes, when it comes, it comes unannounced and it feels like a man at taunting me with his, with his reddest, reddest red, red cloth. cloth and who are you, Brian? I am the bull. <laughs> this song's about watching TV, isn't it? This is 100% <laughs> a motherfucking song about watching TV. <laughs> it definitely has that, like, television rots your mind, dude. <laughs> fucking Dude, it has to be a TV. Is it, it, there's more than one song about watching TV on this album for sure, but that song is a hundred percent about watching TV. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely has that that fee, that feeling again of yeah, he's like high at a party, and he's like, man, like I'm just I'm just watching too much TV. Do you ever feel like, like that? Do you ever feel like you're watching too much TV? Like, I kind of feel like I'm just like a, I'm like a bull chasing around the matador, man. I'm just, his, he's like, it's crazy. You know, it's like you come home, you turn on the TV. It's like, what are we even chasing? You know what I mean? Like, there's, that's what the bull does. He chases a cloth. He thinks there's something behind the cloth, but there's nothing. There's nothing behind something. the cloth, man. Sometimes TV's so good, man. The cock like seems like it's as red. It's the most red thing you've ever seen. And that's when you have to be really worried about it because mental piracy is going to happen. What a stupid fucking song. What a dumb ass guy being like this is this album rocks because it's maybe the dumbest man that's ever lived, but he thinks he's been told he's the smartest man out there. Like this is fucking like, you know what? I'm trying to think of a band like REM is a band that's known. Oh, they went to college or whatever. I don't know. I actually, (laughs) they might not, they might be dumb too, but it's like, uh, one of those bands that went to college and they're all sort of smart and they do songs that are a little ironic and, and a little smart. Uh, this is like if one of those guys didn't go to school and also didn't have any sense of irony <laughs> at all in his mind. Because I don't think I I mean, I don't think that he would look back on these lyrics, maybe a few of them and be maybe a little bit embarrassed. But I honestly don't think. That he would be embarrassed uh, about any of these songs. And then, and then, and then, song number seven, Make Yourself. Make Yourself. They named the record after it. He says, and, and listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some roses first. When he fucking says, and if I fuck me, fuck me in my own way. That's sick. Bow, fuck me fuck. in my own way. Yeah, that makes me want to lose my mind when he says, because the, the music all drops out, you know, and he fucking says, I'll fuck me in my, and everybody loves when you curse when the oh, music yeah. drops out, right? Oh, yeah. But then they that. also say, 
if you let them fuck you, there will be no foreplay. But rest assured, they'll screw you complete till your ass is blue and gray. First of all, why gray? Black and blue. Number one, just black and blue. It's because blue doesn't rhyme with the thing you said before, Brian. Yeah, there will be no. But he could have maybe said there will be no. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, I can't think of a word that's like like blowjob, but with zero Z with O O at the end. You know, if you let him fuck you, it. What a stupid lyric. This this might be the last part of the world where the word butt hurt wasn't out yet, like where it wasn't a thing that people said, or because he would have just said that. He's like, sometimes people get really butt hurt about. Uh, Making yourself, I guess. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I get butthurt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such a bad, that is such a bad lyric. That is really about like, you know, this guy is like, you know, you need to go out and, you, you, you know, make your own way in the world and figure your, figure yourself out. Again, I think these guys, prop, I, man, I feel like rich kids, parents with money sort of thing i just the reason i said the reason i said this is because i watched a documentary series about the bling ring oh yeah yeah right and uh they talked about i haven't seen it that's all right yeah it's it's okay i liked it it's a bunch of people lying about each other i you know i like that kind of shit (laughs) yeah and uh yeah, I like it when a bunch of people that were kind of friends just decide to sit down and just lie about each other in an interview. And it's like one of them's like this happened. And the other one's like this happened. And they're lying. And they like just accuse each other of lying that that I like. But um, I watched it and they the the reason it made an one of the things that made an impression on me was like, well, this person lived here and then this person lived in Calabasas, which is where the rich and famous live. It's got, you know, really expensive houses and stuff like that. So when I read these guys were from Calabasas, I was like, oh, okay. well, if that's what makes sense, that like it makes sense. The lyrics end up making sense to me after that, where it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you hear that a lot with like somebody who grew up with, with every advantage in the world. That's like, you know, I made myself though, you know, I'm self-made and you yeah. need to be able, you should do that. For, you know what? Honestly, if you want to be a rock star, you should become one because Let's I'm really it. liking doing it. It's very fun. It's very and, fun uh, and easy to do. Yeah. It definitely has that like rich guy talking to poor guy vibes. Yeah. Oh, it's just very easy. You just, well, you just go and you, and you just do it. Well, wait, wait, sorry, wait, what do you mean? You can't, what do you mean? You got to do, sorry, you got to get, you got to do what? No, you don't do that. You just do this other thing and it's totally good. Uh, Yeah, definitely. It it has that feel for sure. Especially because like he doesn't, he like, it's weird to me. And I talked about this with a few people on Twitter today, like, because I, I, I posted a quote from Brandon Boyd and it's very funny. Like he got painted as a smart guy. Like people yeah. just kind of like the media, like if you read the interviews and stuff from around this time, the media literally just kind of tells him to his face, like, ah, you're kind of known as like sort of a smart guy. And it's like, what has <laughs> this guy done? Like, he's just handsome and the singer of a band. And he says sort of like, 
vaguely, like I said before, like vaguely philosophical things, you know, like, well, if you turn a lamp on using electricity, like, is it the lamp really on or is it the electricity that's on, you know, or like, it's like that kind of sort of base level, weird high guy philosophies. And everybody just kind of is like, ah, yeah, man, like the lyrics are so personal and you're such a smart guy. Like literally there's one interview from Wolf's Head, which is a UK publication in October 99. And literally the question they finish with is, are you amused by the media portrayal of you as an intellectual rock boy? And then Brandon answers, it's better to be a smart ass than a dumb ass, I guess. Yeah. Which I mean, that's is a good answer. Great. I answer. will say. But he is a dumbass, actually. He is definitely a dumbass. Even even Drive, a big hit. And and I just remember, like, not having the words to say that this lyric makes me sick. But when he says, uh, uh, it's driven me before, and it seems to have a vague haunting mass appeal. I don't know why I hate that. That lyric made me so mad when I heard it today. It didn't before. I thought it was really good. And I like the way it sounds, but I don't like the words that he put together it just seems so he just the guy comes off as really fucking annoying in these songs somebody should tell him like hey you know i know you you're proud of it and it's the the album that made you but you come off like a total fucking dumbass in the album like when i listened to it yeah it's uh it's wild and this is i want to read this it's a little long but i feel like this is really good this is uh, like the one-sheeter uh, bio that the press, like the press kit from Make Yourself. And uh, again, this speaks to maybe the privilege that Brandon Boyd has because Incubus is not a huge band after science. They're still like opening for other bands. They're not big yet. And they just let Brandon write the bio for the one-sheeter, um, which is really interesting. And so this is Brandon's bio from Make Yourself. Because I guess he got hit by a car. So that's how it starts. As I was being lifted from the heap of twist. Oh, he was in a car accident. Not got. He didn't get hit as a pedestrian. As I was being lifted from the heap of twisted steel that was my car, I asked myself, am I dead? Then realizing that I was very much still alive, I looked up at my heroes, the rest of my band Incubus, as they lifted me to the curb and asked, what song are you guys mixing? Drive, they replied after individual pauses for irony, and the record continued to be mixed an hour later. Now, no one likes having a one-ton Mercedes smash into them, and I am no exception. But thankfully, I am not going to be needing that car anymore. For we, Incubus, a five-piece musical outfit from Calabasas, California, will be on tour in support of our new immortal epic album, Make Yourself, for the remainder of our 20s. And any vehicles that try to collide with us will feel the wrath of a 40-foot tour bus as opposed to a mere Honda Civic. Uh, and then he goes on. This is, this is really great. Uh, why make yourself, you ask? Well, even though we finally succumbed to the forbidden urge to name your album after one of the songs, we did so because we felt the song and phrase Make Yourself summed up the vibe of the album and direction of its lyrical content. Make yourself, meaning don't let yourself be made. Not the make yourself that your dad may have taught you, but more along the lines of fuck the man, get out from under the iron fist of oppression, make yourself. Know what I mean? 
This new record also attests to the fact that as musicians, Incubus has found happiness and contentment in being a hard rock band that didn't feel the need to be the hardest with the most strings tuned down with the riffs that made the crowds bounce the highest. All of that is good and fun, but I believe that upon finishing this record, Incubus has come to terms with where and what we always wanted to be as a band, heavy, melodic, diverse, plugged in yet detached, thought-provoking, thought-out but spontaneous, observational, silly, and slightly intelligent. Yes, I realize that this is about as nebulous a description as a band could give itself, but I believe that our interpretations of things artistic are best left up to those interpreting from the outside in. <laughs> so stupid. That's, I mean, the, the line about like uh, uh, pause for irony, like he wrote yeah. that. He yeah. wrote those words, man. He is a big cornball. He's got to be <laughs> the corniest guy. In in new metal, and there's a lot of corny fucking dudes. A lot in of new corny metal, dudes. But he's the corniest of all of them. This uh, this uh, bio is also that where it has the didgeridoo part, Brian. It's they're describing yeah. some of the songs on the record. Nowhere fast. We've been exploring drum and bass here and there on stage, playing little improvisational ditties in between real songs from the records. Jose would start playing a drum and bass he'd made up. I'd play my didgeridoo to it. And songs started forming out of live things like that. That's how Nowhere Fast was written through improvisational live jams. I started playing my didgeridoo is such a fucking funny thing to it's say. It's a very With funny zero line. irony. He's like, I was fucking rocking out on my fucking didgeridoo, man. Yeah, I'd play my, I'd play my didgeridoo to it. <laughs> There's funny. another line in, in one of these uh, uh, articles. I hope I have it. Uh, I I ripped something. Oh 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 yeah 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 yeah. Talking about Battlestar Scratch Scrolastica. Uh, he said uh, he's talking about how he wasn't there when they made that one. It was just something that kind of came up, and he was like, "I said you guys have to let me name it at least." So I came up with Battlestar Scrolastica. It was my only contribution to the song. <laughs> the worst, easily the worst part of the song. Yeah, and I think one of the great. DJs is from Jurassic Five, right? Like, I there's know. no way he liked Battlestar Scrolastica as the name of that song. <laughs> it's so fucking funny, though, to say like, yeah, the part about the song that sucks the most. That's I was actually, if I got to put words to something, it's gonna suck, and that well, is and just that's, the way I work. And that's what I mean is like, I, it's funny to think about these sort of retrospective pieces where they've had 20 years presumably time to think about you know it would be so easy for brandon to say like yeah you know some of those lyrics i was 24 i was going through heartbreak you know whatever it's maybe not the best but he doesn't see that at all like it just seems like he sees it as like yeah we just we you know we we fucking wrote a song and it was good and then we wrote some more songs and they were good and the lyrics were so personal and cool to me and um yeah, everything's awesome. But I mean, yeah, like the songs are really good. So yeah. <laughs> I just, That's it's funny because the lyrics are so stupid, but the melodies are really interesting. Like, I think that that's kind of what separates Incubus in a lot of ways is like, it's funny that Mike talks about how they're not really like a rap metal band and they don't, you know, they, they didn't like being lumped in with them. But like the way that Brandon sings a lot of the melodies on the verses and stuff has a sort of staccato type of cadence like almost a rap cadence to it so i can see how 
it get people get stuck in the rap metal thing. And then I also think too, one thing that gets really overlooked about Incubus is how good Jose Pasillas is. He's just an unbelievable drummer um, and really like makes the verses and Brandon's lyrics like a lot more interesting. It's clear that Jose is playing along to the lyrics as opposed to like the bass lines in the song. And I think that's what makes, uh, makes Incubus particularly in this phase of their career. So, um, so interesting and, and good. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, this record is really, really good. Yeah. I love this. I love the album. I love, I like every single song on it. Uh, even the ones I made fun of, I didn't even make fun of all the songs, which I could have, but I didn't. Uh, I, I even like the ones I made fun of. So don't like get mad at me. Cause I'm going to give the album a high score. Uh, yeah. uh, because I love it. I, I, this is one of my favorite albums we've done. I think w- w- is, is where I would put it in, in the pantheon. Yeah. Um, well, I think I might... too, there, sorry. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. Well, man. I just, I, would... I think, I think too, it is one of those albums where I think some of the, you know, we are older, or at least for me, you know, like I'm, I'm going to be 37 and, uh, in like a month. And, like there is a part of me that just does simply enjoy listening back to an incubus record more than a slipknot record. Like uh, that's just where I'm at in my life. You know, like I still like slipknot, both the slipknot records we've covered on the show. I like it. It's not that I don't like slipknot. I do, but listening to a slipknot record is very much a time and place record for me. Whereas like make yourself I can listen to it at any time and it's so enjoyable to listen to be simply because of some of the things that Mike and Brandon were talking about, that it is like a little bit more chill and it does have a little less masculine energy for, you know, that's the way they phrase it. Um, but it, yeah, it, it just has a, in the year 2022, at least for me, where I'm at in my life, it just has a little bit more accessibility for me than some of those other records that we've covered. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I like the the heavier stuff a little more, but it just this album, you know, burrowed itself in my head years ago, and and like I'm I'm just always gonna like it. There's never gonna. It's just it's really perfect. Um, I only had one more thing from the uh, articles here. Yeah, I, I got a couple, couple more things for sure. I actually yeah. had a couple. Uh, first, there was a Rolling Stone profile of Brandon Boyd. Yes, and, it's a uh, great one. That's from uh, September 2000, so about a year after this record came out. When that motherfucker says he went to OzFest and they asked if he encountered Ozzy, and he said, I did a photo with him and Tommy Lee from Methods of Mayhem. <laughs> like, from Methods of Mayhem, Tommy Lee? Okay. I mean, if that's what we're saying, I like it. I would do it too. I, it sounds like you're being funny. <laughs> I love that too. Yeah. The Rolling Stone has a couple good ones because Incubus is definitely like, we've already heard it a little bit in some of the quotes I read earlier. They're very concerned with their image as like good, clean cut guys. Like it's clear that they want to be known for being professionals in this sort of industry of hoodlums, you know? And so there's a couple quotes here. Uh, The question uh, the author asks or interviewer asks, is there anything your bandmates cannot tease you about? And Brandon says, let me think when we're trying to make each other angry, they'll go, whatever singer rock star that really pisses me off. A lot of people are really quick to go. You're a singer in a band. You must be like, 
stuck up cock asshole. We fight a lot when we're writing our records. You know, it's five different opinions trying to make their way into one. While making our record, we've been on tour for so long that we kind of like lost it a bit. So we decided to go talk to a therapist, like a band therapist. If any bands out there have problems, they should do that. Bands break up for stupid reasons usually, and this could help it. We went once a week for about a month or maybe even two months, and it did wonders, actually. Which is like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around a band in the year 2000 admitting they went to therapy. Like, obviously, some kind of monster is not too far down the road. But like just the idea that like a new metal adjacent band that would have had fans like you, um, you know, saying like bragging about going to therapy and almost like dunking on other bands like, oh, you broke up without trying to talk to someone first. You fucking loser um, <laughs> is so weird. And then the interviewer says, you are known for taking care of yourself on the road. This is the last question, too. So this is what finishes off the interview. I was never really heavily into partying as a kid. I've dabbled here and there, but significantly less in the past year. I've been so much happier as a result. While we're on tour, I mean, I don't know how people do it. I swear, I get drunk one night and I'm screwed for the next two days. I'm happy coming back and watching a movie or going on my computer. I'm kind of a nerd, but that's fine with me. I love going on my computer too. It's wonderful. I I do want to make a comment about when, when he's talking about what, could piss them off and they're like whatever singer whatever rock star whatever guy with a huge dick whatever guy that looks really good with his shirt off whatever and that pisses me off when people say that stuff about me (laughs) (laughs) fucking dummy (laughs) i hate when people Um, call me the handsome singer of a popular rock band (laughs) i'm always hating that yeah yeah i uh uh what do i have here i i just have uh yeah, I think well, I hit everything I was going to hit there. I'm pretty sure while making. Oh, yeah. The therapist, you hit the therapist thing. And now I think we've hit the whole fucking thing. Well, OK, you, I got a, I got a couple more. I got a Go couple for more. It. Go for it. Uh, this one is just very funny to me to like talk about this. This is from uh, Hip Online again. And he's talking about working with Scott Litt, the producer. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever <laughs> a band like talk about a producer like this uh it just says i know the band i I know the liner notes say the band co-produced the record but how hands-on were you guys in the studio and mike says we were very hands-on with everything the producer we worked with scott litt is a really cool guy he's done really great work in the past with bands like nirvana and rem he didn't have time to do it the way he would normally do a record because he owns his own record company, which recently disbanded, but he was mostly working on that at the time. So we'd do everything on our own and he'd show up every couple of days or for a few hours a day. And then sometimes he wouldn't come in for a week. So we'd do everything on our own. And sometimes he'd come in and tell us we could try this or that. He had very subtle ideas that we could try. Some we liked and some we didn't. He never tried to control what we were doing. He just added his input. He would come in and sometimes reassure us. It was kind of like having a psychologist. He was like our musical psychotherapist, which is very funny because I think Mike doesn't realize that this means this guy did not give a fuck about Incubus. (laughs) He He heard one song and he's like, I'm not fucking helping these guys. I got other shit to do. Mike is playing it off like, ah, 
we were we basically produced this we were really cool and you know we we're hands-on and he just kind of helped us out a little bit no mike he hated your band he hated your band a lot that's what happened here <laughs> yeah it's either that or he was ripping you off man you i mean you paid him <laughs> To come in and say, yeah, that's fine, and then leave. That's great <laughs> for him. But yeah. I, I came off like he got he ripped them off, which I thought was very funny. So good, so good. And then uh the last one is what the one I posted on Twitter today, and uh it was awesome. This is from um the Grammys, uh the Grammys for whatever reason, dot the Grammys. Grammy Grammy.com caught up with Incubus <laughs> for a 20-year retrospective. And uh, it was it's really funny because, again, it's almost a sort of like backhanded thing. Nick Hexum, the vocalist of 311, has the first quote in this. They have it divided into sections. So this section is called Take Your Fucking Shirt Off. Nick Hexum says, after Make Yourself came out, I remember saying to Mark McGrath of Sugar Ray, what happened to Incubus? They're all of a sudden this totally important American band. We liked them before, but they cut. We kind of got lost and confused by their complexity. Now they're the shit, which is just such a good quote. Stupid. The guy from Three Eleven's like Incubus got confusing, but then that made them more popular. What the fuck? <laughs> Fucking that. The, the, I was talking to Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. It's <laughs> <laughs> a funny thing to say. Too. Can I also just want to say one thing here? Yeah, please. The way that they hit. Mikey and I would go and perform that song, talking about Stellar. Yeah. Or, or Pardon Me. And a number of others, almost every morning. It was really hard, actually, as the singer, as I'm sure other singers around the world can attest to, to go and sing first thing in the morning. It was cruel and unusual punishment. But it ended up being really cool because, to my knowledge... There weren't many bands actually willing to show up with an acoustic guitar at a radio station to do a live performance. And then Jose goes, no rock bands were doing that. No rock bands would ever come in and play a song acoustically, <laughs> which is like, that's not, that was like a time honored thing in radio. If I could, if I even fucking told you the amount of acoustic songs. Well, I've and you think about like, M M like this is 1999 MTV yeah. unplugged has been one of yeah. their most like famous products for the last decade. <laughs> Nobody was doing that shit, man. That Nobody. Was, this is, we, that invented, was we invented an, <laughs> doing an acoustic cover of your own song. <laughs> very shock jockey for them inventing something they always like because those guys are always like we invented this it's like yeah we invented playing acoustic at radio stations yeah, oh okay. no one was doing well, that rock bands simply wouldn't do that but Incubus, yeah they simply we would do it needed they needed their whole rig to play at the radio station you know yeah it's God, also funny too because they they talk a lot about how a bunch of women came out to their shows but like Yes, obviously, new metal was very testosterone, heavy, masculine kind of music, but Corn and Limp Biscuit had tons of female fans as well. Like, it wasn't, pardon me, like, you can't sell out arenas strictly for guys. Like, that just doesn't work. Like, th they had lots of female fans. Incubus also kind of sounds like they invented having female fans as a, as a like, yeah. new metal band. So that's kind of what this section is about. So Brandon says, all the way through science and then quite a way through touring, make yourself, we would show up places and more people would come each time, but they all looked like us. They were young guys. People were thrashing and throwing stuff. It was like a boys club. 
Chris, during science, our crowd was all teenage kids wearing black, and they were all men. Once Pardon Me started getting some traction, the crowd turned into half-girl crowds. Then when Stellar and Drive came out, those half-girl crowds became all screaming teenage girls in the front row. Uh, and then Brandon has uh, the quote I posted on Twitter today, which is incredible. It was very interesting. I never knew what it felt like to be objectified. And so after I had my <laughs> shirt off on television, <laughs> already that's very funny. Uh, <laughs> I never knew what it felt like to be objectified. And so after I had my shirt off on television, if I didn't do it at shows, you'd hear women yelling, take your fucking shirt off. It was an interesting experience, but I just kind of rolled with it. A lot of yeah. undergarments were coming on stage around that time. What the message is, where young women or women of all ages don't feel like they need to be wearing their undergarments, the logic behind it, it was a very unusual thing. The very fascinating thing, the other fascinating thing is like, did they bring an extra pair with them? It's underwear. How did they get those off in the audience? Some magical Zoolander trick? I remember in the original Zoolander movie in the walk-off scene yeah. where Hansel puts his hands down his pants on the runway and gets out of his underwear. I've always assumed that's how women were getting out of their undergarments and throwing them up on stage. Have you seen Zoolander before, man? <laughs> <laughs> you seen that movie Zoolander? That guy never had panties thrown at him. Not I. I maybe twice. It, that's another thing. It's a fucking Tom Jones thing, man. It was, it was like of the time people would be like, "Yeah, women throw their panties at Tom Jones," and that was like a whole big huge thing. I I just I don't buy it. I don't. I think he's lying there. I mean, he's a handsome guy or whatever, but yeah. it, it also doesn't come off as like. I don't know. You don't come off as like a great dude to be like, yeah, there's not dudes coming to the shows anymore. And there's women throwing their panties at me. It's like, yeah, I don't know. That's, there's something about that. I, that gnarls me well, out a little bit. I did like to like to me, the funny part, the funniest part of this quote is him trying to like stick handle around trying yeah. not to say that like women are sluts and also trying not to say that it might have been like 15 year old girls. Right. Because he even yep. he goes. What the message is where young women or, or women of all ages, <laughs> like, it's like immediately. I mean, I mean, any any women, you know, any women who are of any age, you know, um, and they don't feel like they need to be wearing their undergarments. It was a very unusual. It's not unusual. OK, this has been happening to rock bands. That's again, it's like he's acting did. like. Yeah, there he's acting like they invented getting panties thrown at them, too. Like, it's a very what an unusual thing. It's like. No, you are, you have a six pack, you're, you're a model, you're dating a model, you know, like, how would that be confusing to you? Oh, a woman threw her panties at me. And I was like, well, don't you need those? Don't you need those underwear? That's very strange. Did you bring an extra pair? It'd be unsafe to walk around without underwear on. Brandon Seinfeld Boyd. <laughs> he was like, he's just doing a bit there. He's having fun doing a little bit for him. Hey, what's the deal with women throwing their panties at me? <laughs> Have you ever noticed how women are always throwing their panties at you? Uh, at me. At me. Have you ever noticed? Say at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh well we are here at uh it's time to it's time to review we're here at the tweet defense uh this is if this is your first time tuning into the show uh this is how we give the album a score uh so it's if someone were to tweet at you that uh make yourself was a bad album uh it's how many tweets in reply would you do to defend it 
Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. And and you've already sort of teased it, but I feel like we've got a big score coming here. Actually, it's a different kind of big score because, you know, last time I said Infinity Tweets, right? You did, yeah. And, life is peachy, something. yeah. and it's hard to get higher than Infinity. So uh, if somebody tweeted at me and said that Make Yourself is not good, I would get in my car and drive to their house. <laughs> And punch the living shit out of them. <laughs> I hope someone and tweets it at you now. <laughs> that's the score. I want to see it happen. <laughs> I said it on the episode. I warned you. I warned you. <laughs> punch I love the that. shit out of you. <laughs> punch the sh- I warned you. I'm going to punch the shit out of you, dude. Uh, that's good. I like that. My score is a little more traditional. Uh, um, I'm going to go. I, I think I gave life is peachy an 11. Um, so I think I'll go. I think I will go. And I don't usually care about my previous scores, but I think I'll go 12. I think I like make yourself just that little bit. I mean, life is peachy is so good too, but I don't know. Make yourself, I think is a, an album that's meant a little more to me in my life. Um, so I, I'll give it a 12. I, yeah. It's a, it's a great, it's a great record. And, uh, and 12 is actually perfect because that's the number of songs on the album minus Battlestar Scrolachtica. So that's probably the perfect amount of tweets that you could do. Uh, so there you go. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. We spell cast with a K like the band corn. We do three bonus episodes every single month. The first one is a full length bonus episode. We cover, some kind of interesting album or subject. And in this case, uh, you know, last month we covered Roland, just the song Roland by Limp Biscuit, but we had a very special guest, Nolan Sykes from Donut Media, joined us to talk about New Metal's relationship to cars, uh, as well as Limp Biscuit, the song. We covered a bunch of covers of it. We talked about the music video. Uh, it was super fun. So that's the kind of stuff we're doing on the bonus content we do some video episodes we cover some compilations some soundtracks it's just all stuff that you not not main albums from bands that you'd hear on the free episodes it's all there and then we also do two singles every month uh where we dig into a new metal song that's always a great time and if you want to tell us what song to do or what album to do you can do that. You just head on over to the Patreon. We have a couple different tiers uh, where you can uh, tell us what to do for a bonus episode. We also have a Discord and we have merch. So we did our first ever POD cast shirt. Uh, our friend Bobby over at uh, Exploder Creative Club, who's designed a several AEW shirts. Uh, he did a shirt for uh, FTR and for Powerhouse Hobbs, and he did the POD cast shirt. Uh, it's up on uh, merch.blockedparty.com. And if you're a donor to the show on Patreon, you get a merch discount. So uh, I think the discount works out to uh, you getting at least one month of the Patreon for free. So might be a good idea. Sign up for the Patreon. Check it out for free. Get a shirt. It's all great. It's all great stuff. So uh, you can check all that out. Patreon.com slash the POD cast and merch.blockparty.com. The POD cast shirts are up there. And uh, if you like the show, especially, and you have a friend that likes new metal, tell them that it's good and have them listen to it. Uh, okay, Brian, we got a couple more things before we go. The first is the challenge. Uh, now, of course, the challenge is uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, we give ourselves a, you know, something to do. 
to relate to the album, some kind of competition against one another. Last month, we did Korn's Life is Peachy. We had to create a dream new metal cover band and pick what song they would cover. And uh, in the in the vein of Wicked uh, by by Corn and Deftones, uh, I won very narrowly, fifty five percent to forty five percent. So that means lifetime. I have eighteen wins. Brian has seventeen, and we have two ties. Uh, so we're very close. So Brian, you came up with the challenge for this month. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us what it is. Oh, we're just gonna talk about. We're just gonna say what consequence is stranger than. In the spirit of stranger than a gang of drunken minds, you don't have to rhyme it. You just got to say what consequence could be stranger than. Yes, uh, I love it. In, unless John rhymed it, then you he can rhyme it. You're <laughs> allowed to rhyme. I, 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 didn't rhyme I didn't rhyme it, and I will just say mine right away. It's very easy. Consequence, yep. you see, could be stranger than a freaking python on freaking meth and steroids. <laughs> A freaking python on freaking <laughs> meth and steroids. Yeah, it I just sounds that. like a like that is incubus conversation in the tour bus. What if a fucking python was on meth and also steroids? So it was like really strong and it was really fast too. I love that. That's good. Mine is uh, I, I thought like what would be sort of like a fake smart guy thing to talk about because Brandon's you know he's a big fake smart guy. Uh, so mine is consequence you'll see will be stranger than a scientist reading the Bible. <laughs> okay, that's that's really good. <laughs> That is such a fucking Brandon Boyd lyric, too. That's like a video. That's like in a video. You'd have a guy dressed in like a fucking laboratory (laughs) coat reading a Bible next to some beakers, and it's like Brandon dressed as it. No, they don't believe in that stuff, man. (laughs) What's going on? You know, what is what is what does all this mean? You know, sometimes Uh, science can be kind of like a religion. Yes, that's what he would. It's exactly what he would be saying. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. You'll have a chance to vote on who won that challenge over on our Twitter. Uh, That's twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. We we put up uh, a poll and you can vote on who wins. And speaking of a poll, uh, we have some albums to nominate. So again, if it's your first time listening to the show each month, Brian and I nominate two albums for the poll. And then you, the listener, get to vote on what we listen to the following month for the show. And again, that only happens on our Twitter at twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast with a K. Pardon me, Brian, uh, what two albums are you putting up this month? It just occurred to me to ask this too. Uh, I am like 50-50 on whether Brandon Boyd has the vaccine or not. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because he had, he had like dreads at one point. Yeah, just I'm 50-50 in that department, man. All day I was like, yeah, he probably got it. Maybe he's a musician. Uh, maybe not. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that would get it. So No, you're right. I'm gonna, I'm, oh, I'm trying to look this up now because it's <laughs> that is really interesting. Uh, th- there's... <laughs> Okay, let me see if I can find this here. There's no way that he mentioned it if he's not. No, because so. I, I just searched Brandon Boyd vaccine and an interview in Forbes came up. So I'm like, it, there might be something in here. Could be uh, either way. Let me see. I hope uh, he got it. Brandon, get the 
you know, let's go, Brandon, get the vaccine. You know, oh boy, oh no, this might not be. Uh, <laughs> sounds. Uh, uh oh. Uh okay, this doesn't sound too bad. Okay, let's see. Oh, he did a solo record. What's he talking oh, no. about here? Oh no, he says a lot of like dumb guy stuff. So he says, yep. he says, uh. I desperately wanted to bubble up with the guys in the band and the priorities all, but they didn't sync up like perfectly. And for a lot of obvious reasons, there was a lot of people. We were scared. We didn't really have all the information. We're only still just getting kind of trickled information about COVID and ways to mitigate spread and all that stuff. So I ended up recording an album at home by myself. I have a solo record coming out, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, what can you tell me about the solo record? Uh, he says, oh, this is very good. I'm the kind of artist that is sort of constantly tinkering with things and constantly in motion. I very rarely have dry spells. If something goes dry in one area, like you and I have talked about before, if music goes dry, then I start painting. And if the painting goes dry, no pun intended, I gravitate back towards music. And so during COVID, I was doing both because I couldn't go anywhere. And he says, the first solar record was written in the first eight to nine months of COVID. So right squarely in the center of that chaotic, misinformed, weird, dark age. That was that Uh-oh. period of time. And so the record itself is probably the most different sounding recording I've ever done. Uh, let me see here. Uh, okay. And then he says, uh, they're back on the road. Did you miss playing live? It was great to have so many people so happy to be there with us singing outdoors and singing into the open air and celebrating. It could be said that this is not the appropriate time to celebrate. This is a time for us all to hunker down and throw our brows and I think must said furrow our brows and think our way out of a situation like this. And I don't necessarily (laughs) disagree with that point of view, but then once you're in the ecstatic celebration of making music outdoors with thousands of people and everyone's there with the same intentionality and it's the perfect time Uh to celebrate and sing and dance this is going to be the thing that will help us get out of this little dark age we find ourselves in. Uh, oh boy. I mean, it's a lot of good stuff. He's just, he's talking so much. There's definitely vaccine here, but I got to, it doesn't seem like I can find it. Hold on. Yeah. He wouldn't say if he didn't get it though, you know, oh, you're right. You're right. He wouldn't just offer it. Yeah. So my albums this month is one that I've done a hundred times and one that I haven't done ever. Okay. And maybe that has only been on the poll once and one that I haven't even listened to it often. Uh, so Sepultura Roots, we we'll give that another shot again. Uh-huh. And uh, Mudvayne LD50. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, so Incubus did shows in 2021 that required uh, full COVID vaccination. All right. There so, you go. Oh, so there we go. You, so I think we're okay. Brandon. I think we're good. I think we're good. Incubus took me a minute to find it, but we found it. Uh, okay. I, I don't know that we've ever put Mudvayne specifically up in a poll. We obviously covered them on a bonus episode. We covered all their music videos. Uh, that's on Patreon. Uh, but uh, yeah, very good. Okay. I am putting up two that I think actually have not been on the poll. One I mentioned earlier in the episode, and I know that there are some new metal people who really swear by this record, and I have never really listened to it. So uh, I'm going to put up American Head Charge, The War of Art. Um, And then I'm going to put up another one that I'm surprised we never... um, 
I'm surprised we never actually got into this because uh, I don't think we've ever put this album on a poll, Bri. I know we've put we've covered this band before, and I know that we've put the album that came before the album we covered on the show before, but I don't think we've ever nominated this album before. I'm going to nominate System of a Down's Mesmerize. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, I've, I know their self-titled has been up on the poll before, but I don't believe Mesmerize ever has. So let's give it a shot, baby. Let's try it out. So there you go. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast with a K, uh, usually around the middle of the month, around the 20th or so, the poll will go up. You'll have a chance to vote on which album you want us to cover next month, Sepultura, Mudvayne, American Head Charge, or System of a Down. And uh, then we'll cover it for you in November. So. There you have it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to uh, all of you who subscribe and share the show and to those of you who donate to the show. Again, if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash the POD cast. You can follow the show at twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. And you can get our shirt at merch.blockparty.com. Thanks for listening. We love you very much. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.